as I continue to set up what I um, want to share with you, I want to point some things out in this text about um, Jacob and what God is saying and doing in this midst. So let's, let's just go to God for a word of prayer. Lord, you're wonderful God, Lord. We thank you for you this morning. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the spirit of worship. As we look to your word this morning, I am praying that you would just speak through me to your people. As I always say, Felix moves out of the way so you may be glorified. So I pray for strength, Lord, this morning, um, as was yesterday when we shared at the men's conference. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So I just need just enough strength, Lord, to make it through just to share this word that you're sharing with us as it relates to change and being who you would have us to be. So God, I love you. I give you praise. I give you honor. And glory. bring to mind the things that have been deposited so you may be glorified through it. It is in your name we pray and thank you. Amen and amen. Amen. We've been looking, um, and uh, I said to you all when I started this series uh, on broken but blessed, last week, that I was hoping to do this in two weeks. Well, I lied. So forgive me, okay? Uh, it's going to take longer than that. It's okay. It's going to take a little longer than that. Um, as I'm walking through this, I'm seeing, man, I'm not even making progress. Because today I just want to deal with one more aspect than next week. I need to look at another thing. Because when we get to chapter 32, uh, I think it's important that we all appreciate uh, Jacob's process. Today, I am hoping to illumine you to maybe a truth that you did not already know about Jacob so we can see to ourselves and understand what God is doing um, in all of our lives. The problem with a lot of us is when we go to church, um, pastors, and they do this innocently, they get up and um, they preach a passage that they feel is relevant to the congregation. And, and the problem with the congregation is we latch on to that one passage of scripture, but we never deal or spend time to process all the literary context that leads up to the story. So we really don't know the background behind the story, the background behind what's going on, or what happened in the life of the individual before they were used by God. And we walk around saying things like, I'm the head and not the tail, I'm above and not behind, but we don't understand process to get there. Oh, come on, y'all. Now, we, we don't get processed to get there. We think it's, I'm just going to get saved, and then all of a sudden my world is going to turn around and I'm going to be all right, and I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be that. Let me say to you this morning, there's a process involved in following Christ. Are you with me? So, so you're on, we're on journey. We're on journey with Christ. It's not that I get saved, and then all of a sudden the blessings begin, okay? I get saved, but I'm a mess. Come on, y'all. I get saved, and, 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 and like I was sharing with the men yesterday, for some of us who've been a mess for 38 or more years, it's been a long, 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 long time. And it's going to take God time to work that out of us. I'm not saying that he can't do it instantaneously, but he takes time to work it out because we took time to put it in. And as I was saying on last week, God, before he uses us greatly, he allows us to be broken deeply. He takes us to a process of brokenness. And the thing that I'm learning, even as I study this story even more, I am in no position to dictate to God when I'm ready to be used. That's God's call. Are you with me? 
He defines that. He determines that. And, and I think I want us all to understand that none of us in here are in any position to say to God, use me, I'm ready to be used. I'm, I'm learning that every day. You know, sometimes I reflect on my life and I say to myself, by now I should have accomplished more or I should be here or I should be there. But then I realize that, man, I must have had some major Jacob stuff in me. <laughs> and it's taking God a minute to work it out. Are you, yeah. So, so don't be so hard on yourself. God is doing what God's going to do. Amen? Amen. So this morning we are in um, Genesis. Go to Genesis. And we're going to talk about Genesis chapter 28. But before I go to 28, I need to um, just review briefly 14 and walk you through this so we can hear what God is saying. This is just some, some good illuminating stuff. And all I'm doing for the next, this week, our last week and this week and probably the same next week, is I'm still setting up chapter 32. I haven't even gotten to chapter 32 yet. Now, by way of review, um, Jacob, uh, let me see, who is it? Rebecca Isaac got married. She was barren. She prayed to God for a son to open her womb. God blessed her, gave her two children, Jacob. Good. Jacob meant supplanter or trickster. Come on, say Jacob meant supplanter or trickster. Say it again. Say he meant supplanter or trickster. So Jacob had a character defect at birth. Birth, he was messed up and God had to work in him. God had to clean him up so God could use him to be how he wanted him to be. Esau, on the other hand, his name meant Red Earth, or they changed his name to Edom. And here's what God said to his uh, mom, their mom at birth, is that two nations are going to be in their womb. One is going to serve the other. One is going to be stronger than the other. Now, we all know from last week that Esau was born first, first but his mother, along with Jacob, was manipulating the situation to switch priorities so the younger could get blessed before the first one. Now, what I want you to see in Jacob's life is the character def deficiency that existed in him that God had to work out before God blessed him. That's what I want us to focus on. He was a manipulator. His mother was an enabler. And I need you to hear me say that all of us have some manipulative ways or some enabling ways in us that God has to work out before he can really use us, right? So when you look at the story, we see Jacob comes out grabbing his brother's heel. We notice that he manipulated his brother to steal his birthright over some stew. Then when um, his brother went out hunting when the daddy was ill, his mom now manipulated the situation to get Jacob to go in and to receive his brother's blessing, okay? This is where we left off last week. We looked at mom being the enabler and where she had an opportunity to break the cycle in Jacob's life, she enabled him and perpetuated the cycle and created this monster that we have called Jacob. Everybody with me? 
Now, look at verse 41 of chapter 27. I'm reading from the ESV, and I need you to read along with me um, so we can get to where God is, is taking us this morning. Just a, I need to read this to get to the passage. So verse 41, here's how I ended up last week. Verse 41 says, Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now, you need that piece of information for when we get to chapter 32. Jacob stole his brother's blessing. Esau now set out to kill his brother because of how his brother manipulated the situation. And what Jacob did not know was the role that mom played in all of this. You guys are with me? So now look at verse 42. Verse 42 says, But the words of Esau, her oldest son, were told to Rebekah. And so now watch Rebekah doing her thing again. So she sent and called Jacob, her youngest son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. See, she's messing things up again. Arise and flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away or until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft or why should I be bereaved or discouraged or lose both of my children in one day? Now, here's what this lady's saying. I need you to hear this piece of information because of what's going to happen in Laban's house. And I know I'm telling you the story because I want you to get this. She now is trying to, to fix her mess up. Right? She had manipulated the thing to get her son to go out and uh, manipulate dad to get the blessing. And then now the brother is going to kill the younger brother because of what he did. Now she's trying to fix it. So here's what she said. I tell you what, why don't you go live with my brother for a while until this blows over? Now, here's what I need you to know. You're going to see this next week. Where she is manipulating the situation to send Jacob to Laban, God is going to use Jacob's encounter with Laban to really punish him for his ill-doing. You're going to see this next week. We're going to show you that next week, okay? So now, look at how she's manipulating. Look at verse 46. So then Rebecca said to Isaac, I loathe is what my translation says, my life because of the Hittite woman. In other words, what that word loathe means, some of your translation says, I'm disgusted. I'm sick. I don't want to live no more because of these two women that, that e I mean, Esau had brought into my house. So here's how she's manipulating it. Look at verse, the next phrase. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? So she's lying to her husband. Here's what she's saying. If this joker go out and do what his brother did, already can't stand their wives, and he bring one more of those Hittite women, it's going to really put me over, and I might as well die and move on. So she's manipulating it now to get Jacob to give permission, I mean, um, Isaac permission to send Jacob away. 
Now, you know culturally it was the husband's role to go out and bring the spouse. So if, if Isaac couldn't go, at least he could do was send Jacob out. So now look at verse 28. I mean, chapter 28. Now we're in chapter 28. And um, let me narrate most of this so you can kind of get a feel. Look at verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Now, I need to explain that really quick. What, what God was saying, I mean, what Isaac was saying is that, Jacob, I have a covenant with God where we must maintain spiritual purity in the bloodline. Okay? Because God has promised to do something through this bloodline, and we can't have you messing it up. So don't marry a Canaanite woman, but go over to Laban's home, um, who is a descendant of Rebekah, her brother, and find you a wife there. So look at verse 4. Let me, let me move verse 4. And he's blessing his son now. So he says, may the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land and of your sojourn that God gave to Abraham. Look at verse 5. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's, and Esau's mother. Okay? And then verses 6 through 7 has a parenthetic of what Esau was doing that I don't want to focus on this morning. You can read that on your own. The short version of that is, remember with me, Esau had lost his blessing. So what he's trying to do in verses 6 through 9 he noticed that he had married the wrong women, so he's trying to recover the blessing by going now to Abraham's descendant, Ishmael, to marry one of his daughters. Now, you do under, understand that Ishmael was not the line through which the blessing would come, right? So he was still messing up anyway. Still messing up. But he figured at least if I keep it in the family, it seems like blessings come when you marry women in the family. But his dad, that, that wasn't the case. I don't want to talk about that. Now look at verse 10. I want to pick this up real quick and I want us to see this. Now Jacob left Beersheba and he went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and on top, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, uh, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give you to your offspring. Verse 14, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. Look at the next phrase. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not 
know it. Verse 17. He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. There is none, uh, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate to heaven. So early in the morning, he, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar. And he poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethuel. Because, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Look at verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house and all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Manipulator. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what I just read you. Because this is interesting to me. Look at verse 13. Before I read there. Jacob now is leaving Beersheba. He's going to Haran. Some commentators said that that's about a 400-mile journey meaning that it takes several days for Jacob to make that journey by foot. They didn't have cars, so he was walking or probably riding a camel or doing something. But it's a long, 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 long journey. Now, here's what you need to know about Jacob theologically and about the patriarchs theologically. The concept of the omnipresence of God was probably not something that was widely known. Let me tell you what that means. The way the worship of a deity worked is that people in a land had a God of the land and they worshiped that God in the land. Are you with me? And so Jacob probably thought, my daddy and them worship God so I know where God lives. So now as I'm taking this journey I know I am stepping outside the bounds of where God lives, so I'm concerned about the journey because I got to do this by myself. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay? So now, the Lord now is trying to show Jacob there's nowhere you can go that I am not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because, notice with me, when you open the story, the story says... He just showed up at a place. And the, the, comment, the authors did not give the name of the place or did not name the place until after Jacob had the dream. Are you with me? So he falls asleep. He has this dream. And the dream shows heaven open and a ladder going from the earth all the way up to heaven. And it shows angels ascending and descending on the ladder, but on top or standing beside Jacob, depending on how you interpret it, he is clearly available to notice that God is there. Now, in my mind, the fact that this ladder shows the angels and descending, I believe God was trying to communicate to Jacob that you've got access to me. Oh, somebody in here needs to hear that this morning. You've got access. Are you hearing me? You've got access to God, okay? 
So now notice verse 13. Let me go to work here. Let me go to work here. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of who? What's wrong with that phrase? Let me let you process. Yeah, who said that? Give that man something. Yeah, that's it. Iraq, is that you? Oh, good. <laughs> good to see you, man. Very, very important. Very, very important. Because I need you to know, at this instant in time, Jacob did not have a relationship with God. His daddy and them did. His grandfather did. So God is making himself known to him. Are you with me? Because the text opened up, here's what God says. Hey, 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 manipulator. Hey, trickster. I'm the same God that released the word of destiny over your grandfather Abraham. And he served me and I proved myself faithful. I'm the same God that released the word of destiny over your daddy, Isaac. And then he stops. This is good. This is good. Because he did not say, I'm also your God, but he still released the word over him. Oh, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Now, now watch this, watch this. He says, I am the Lord your God, father of Abraham, so on and so forth. And then look at, look at verse, let me read 13. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. And watch this, the land on which you lie. He says, I will give where? To you and to who? Now, 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 what's nuanced in that verbal phrase, I will give, it's what grammaticians call the imperfect, the imperfective aspect of the verb. What that means, what that means is that action that has began, but it's in process because it's not completed yet. So here's what God says. Let me, let me quote it this way. Before I formed you, I knew you. And I ordained you to be. And my word cannot come back. I wish I had somebody. To me void. So even in your manipulative ways. Even in your deceitful ways. I release a word over your life. And I'm just showing up to remind you. That you're not going to mess up my plans. I, I, need, I need somebody to get this. So he says I will give meaning. The land already belonged to Jacob, but he couldn't access it because he wasn't right. Ah. I wish, come on, come on. Y'all got to walk with me. Y'all got to walk with me. Because he didn't know God yet. He didn't know God yet because he was the God of Abraham and he was the God of Isaac. And God shows up and says, hey, knucklehead, I'm right here. You have access to me. And I'm, I, I have released a word of blessing over your life. Now let's talk. And he says, the land which you lie will give you your offspring. Verse 14. Look at this. Sound like an Abrahamic blessing. You shall be like the dust of the earth. 
and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, you and your offspring and the families of the earth. And behold, I am what? With you and will keep you wherever you go and to show you that I'm God, I'm going to bring you back to this land. Now before I move on, somebody in here has given up on a word that God has released over your life. And I don't have to say much. This message is going to be simple and to the point. Heaven is still open. God's word will not return to him void. This is the tough part. This is the tough part. This is the tough part. Get it together. Because it's not God, it's turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, problem isn't God, it's you. Yeah, yeah, turn to your other neighbor, say other neighbor. Yes, their problem isn't God, it's you. Yeah, 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 yeah. My delay, my delay in ministry, in life, in whatever, is not God, it's me. I took the long route because of my knuckleheadedness. Are you with me? Because I thought I knew better than God. And like Abraham and Sarah, I gave birth to a whole lot of Ishmaels. And some of them are still living today and it's hindering my blessing. Don't say amen for me. Say amen for yourself. Because you got the same problem. Come on, talk to me now. That we have all created things as opposed to sitting still and waiting on God. And we're trying to manipulate the situation to show God that we're fixed when we're not done yet. Oh, my gosh. Oh, 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 you got to get this. You can't get to, to the blessing until the brokenness happens. And we got to walk the process of brokenness out. Very, very important. So God says, I will give. Uh, I've already released the word. The imperfective aspect, which is in the indicative mood, says that it's already done. It's the mood of reality, the mood of assertion, what that means. Here's how it sounds in English. If God says it, that settles it. It's going to happen. Now watch this. And then verse 15, God said to Abraham, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. And watch this now. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. What? You. <sighs> Genesis 1 says it this way. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And it says that the earth was void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Then there's this very, very important phrase. And it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over. And then the next thing it says, while the Spirit of God was hovering, it says, God says, let there be light. And he called light out of the darkness. And in his hovering state, he said, let the firmament separate from the firmament. And he separated the water from the land, and he called the land, land, and the water he called sea. Come on, y'all got to try. But in his hovering state, he was able to call order into disorder. I said that to say this. 
The reason we can't sleep at night knowing we shouldn't be where we should be is because the Spirit of God is hovering. He's hovering because he has plans, he has destiny, he has purpose, he has all that stuff, and he is hovering, and in his hovering state, his role is to bring order to our chaos, to prepare us for brokenness so we can get to blessing. Don't make the mistake that Jacob makes. He heard God, but he's still his old self. So watch what he does. Verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, man, all right, God is omnipresent. He's not only in Haran, he's here in this unknown place. And I didn't know that. Some of y'all thought God was only at the church where you used to be. Then you came here. Oh, man. And then you went to a church where he's not supposed to be at. And you notice he's there too. <laughs> then you went to your mother-in-law's house and you saw him. <laughs> and, 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 and the thing that I love about that, that there's nowhere we can go where God is not. Okay? So don't make the mistake and say like Jacob, I didn't know it. I'm telling you, he's everywhere. Are you with me? So now you know. Watch this. And so he was afraid, verse 17, and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than Beth-El or the house of God. And notice what he says. This is the gate to heaven. So listen to what God is doing. God is positioning himself in Jacob's life to continue to bless him. Hear this even though Jacob wasn't right yet. Oh, come on. That's an amen right there. Listen, y'all, I wasn't always right. It's the grace of God that blessed me in my foolishness. It's God's grace that kept you, that kept, come on, your neighbor, that kept us all. Come on, y'all, come on. He didn't wait till we get it right. Nothing but the grace of God. Are you hearing me? Okay. Now let me move on. Let me move on. Let me move on because I want to read this. So early in the morning, verse 18, he took a stone and he put it under his head. And he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. Okay. Now watch this next phrase. He called the name of that place Bethel. And the commentator says, but the city was loose at first. So don't make the mistake of reading into the text thinking that it's saying that Jacob built an altar. He did not build an altar. He was mimicking what he saw daddy and them do. Because the text does not say he built an altar. I need to say that. Because we're going to see him building an altar later on. What he noticed was when grandpa and them and daddy and them, when God visited them, they would erect an altar and they would offer a sacrifice as well. I guess, I guess I really don't know God, but since he came and met me first, I'm supposed to do something. So he took the stone and he put this thing and he poured oil on it. And it's no different than me. When I have an encounter with God, I, I might not know him in his fullness, but I know I'm supposed to do something. 
So I feel guilty and I come to church. I know I'm supposed to do something. So I ain't prayed all year. I, 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 best, I better start praying. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I'm supposed to do something. So he did something. He even gave the thing a name. Bethel. Verse 20. Now watch the bad part of Jacob come out. Then Jacob made a vow. Saying. If God will be with me. And will keep me in this way that I go. And will give me bread to eat and clothes to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, comma, in my translation. Most of you all know this. Conditional clauses have two sides of it. There's the if clause and then there's the then, then clause. So here's what we do. We go to the bank and we say to them, if you give me a loan so I can buy this car, then I promise I'll pay you back. Now, here's what you don't do. You don't execute the then clause if the is, if clause is not in effect. So you don't pay the bank if they didn't give you a loan. Come on, y'all. It's kind of like man meets woman and says, baby, you look so good. I love you. And then she says, if. right? If you love me. And then the then clause. And as soon as she says it, be like, oh, oh, here comes something. This was Jacob's problem. And this was my problem. This is your problem. Watch this, what he said. So I met God, but I need to be sure before I commit. So he says, if God's going to be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat, clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house. Watch what he says. Then I'm going to make him my God. Up until then, he's daddy's God. He's grandpa's God. He ain't mine yet. Because whenever I find myself in a predicament, I can fix it. And you trying to get me to stop and trust you? Here's what we're going to do. We'll work a deal. If you show yourself faithful and you do this for me, after I see you do this for me, then I'm going to make you first my God. Now, now, don't be so hard on Jacob because a lot of us treat God like that. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Talk to me this morning. And, and before we can get to blessing, God has to take that out of us because we are in no position to negotiate with God and to try to manipulate him for our benefit. And he will break you to get that out of us. We've got to learn to trust him just because. Whether he does it or not, he's still God. And the reason we get frustrated with him is because we've manipulated a situation. We've laid out the first part of the conditional clause. I need you to do this. And it doesn't happen. And we say, then check me out. 
I'm out. Watch what he says. Then, I want y'all to see this. Y'all, you talking with me? He says, then the Lord shall be my God, verse 22, and this stone which I set up for a pillar shall be what? So here's what's going to happen. I know I'm supposed to do something. So I started coming to church, and I built this pillar. But if you do this, Ebonics, I'm going to trust you for real. I'm adjourn church. Because I'm going to turn my pillar into an altar. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. And then he says, not only shall I turn my pillar into God's house, and all that you give me, I'm going to start tithing. Y'all got quiet on that part. Because here's what our conditional clauses look like. Lord, I'm going to tithe. And I'm going to be faithful. And I'm going to come to church every Sunday. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray three times a day. I'm going to read my word from beginning to end. I'm going to do all of that. And then here's our then clause. So you can bless me. manipulative tactics. And then here's what it looks like. Lord, I've been tithing faithfully for all them years. I shouldn't be in this financial mess. What, what you waiting on? I've done my part. Oh, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. I've done my part and I've, 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 I've been committed. I show up every Sunday. Heck, I get there before the ushers get there, God. And don't you see me doing worship? I'm the first one to raise my hand. Folks singing all wrong, but I'm still, hey. Heck, I speak in tongues. Who stole a Mahanda? I mean, I go, God, I'm the most spiritual somebody up in there. What's your problem? And we hold that over God's head. Don't you see my commitment? Don't you see my faithfulness? What's the problem, God? And God wants to get us to brokenness because we don't approach him with our stuff. He's got all by himself. If he said he's going to bless while we were still a mess, imagine how much more expedient it is when he finishes his work in our life. Come on. I want to point this out. I want to point this out because, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, he meets God. He doesn't know who God is. God reveals himself to him. And as opposed to him falling on his knees in worship, giving honor and glory to God, the old man still comes out. And just like his mama has taught him to manipulate, let me try this on God. Church, you can't. This is how grandma then used to say, you can't hurry God. No matter how hard you try. They say he's a God. Come on, y'all know this. 
that you can't, yeah. They didn't know how to say it like this, but that's how they said it, and it meant the same thing. There is nothing I can do to move God. I just need to trust him and let him move when he gets good and ready to move. Now, the reason I need to point that out is because, when, and we're going to pick this up next week, when he gets to Laban's house, he's playing the same game. When he leaves Laban's house, he's playing the same game. It's not until he encountered God in the wrestling match. And a lot of us are ready, to, are ready to wrestle with God and we're ready to hang on to get our blessing and we're ready not to let go, but you need to know what you're fighting for. Because you'll leave the wrestling match with the same stuff. <laughs> that messed me up. God showed up, revealed himself to him, and he says, wow, God's here. Man, my words... Let me put out a fleece. I'm going to go to bed tonight, God. And when I wake up, just let it be wet right there. Show me a bird. Some. God, I've been trying to get rid of Tom forever. So, I tell you what. If it's your will to get rid of Tom, make sure he loses my number. God has already showed up and got rid of time for you, but because we still want to hang on to who we are, what we know to do, how we know to do what we do, we don't trust him like that. I came today to say to you, to get to brokenness, begin to release. Begin to release. Begin to trust God just because. Come on, I want you to hear me. Just because. Eliminate all the conditions. Get rid of the front part of the if clause and the then clause. Just say, God says, I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to trust him in spite of, I'm going to leave outcome to him. Quit manipulating situations. Man, and we do it so subtly. I do. I know I do. I know I do. And we're all guilty of it. List of conditions. Jacob did the same thing, met God and walked away from the presence of God without establishing a relationship with him. Dang, that's scary. Dang. It wasn't until after all of this that the threesome in the list was complete. Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Up until then, it was Abraham and Isaac. Because this fella had some stuff. I've got stuff. You've got stuff. Here's how I want to end service this morning. I want us to take a moment in, in our own way and say, Lord, worship team, you don't have to come. You're good. You're good. Don't worry about it. In your own way, say, Lord, show me my birth defect. Show me my birth defect.
so I can stop my manipulative tactics. So I can trust you. Now, please, I need to be hard this morning. Please hear me say this. Don't nobody in here be so arrogant as to say, I don't have one. I just need to say that. Because 1 John 1 and 10 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 9 says, if we confess it, he's faithful and just to do what? To forgive us and to cleanse us from all. Yeah. The problem in my relationship is not Katani. Uh, it's me. And I have to say that. And when she says it, she needs to say the problem in our relationship is not Felix. It's her. We got to own our stuff. And when we own our stuff and take it to God, we make room for him to work. Can I get what I'm saying? Because here's what prayer in our house could look like. Here's how I would manipulate God. Lord, if you just make her get up and make breakfast every morning... And Lord, let her rub my toes and my back. And then Lord, let her never say no again. <laughs> Married folk know what I'm talking about. Amen. So if you do that, I'm going to treat her right. See my dent loss? You kind of get what I'm saying? Why can't I just treat her right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. In spite of. You kind of get? Why do I need to go to God with conditions? You kind of see how it works? And I play these games with God. It, it transitions or transfers to church. It transfers to work. It transfers to every place. Just be the God representative in the earth realm and leave the rest to him. Get rid of the conditions. Get rid of the conditions. Get rid of the conditions, especially since God has already showed us that the ladder is standing there. We have access to him. The angels are descending, and he's right there beside us, omnipresent everywhere. Just trust him. See, that's why Abraham made the list, and that's why Isaac made the list, and that's why Jacob hadn't made the list yet. Are you on the list? We're going to pray. I don't want to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. And whatever God is saying to you, I need you to go to him. And let's take a serious moment before God. And I'm going to say this. If you're here and you have not said yes to God, I'm going to ask um, this is our elders to come up front. Just, I'm saying elders specifically for a reason. Just come on up. Yeah, come on up. Not that they have it all together. I'm not implying that. And then you come. I just, yeah. 
And let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm saying that for these men and women because um, I get to hold them accountable and they get to hold me accountable. So I know their stuff and they know mine. <laughs> you kind of get what I'm saying? We're, we're in this together. And if you're here and you're wrestling with something, just come on up and we just want to pray with you. If it's a husband and wife and you're going through something, just come on up. We want to pray for you. If you have not said yes to God, God, I know I want to accept you in my life. Come on up. We want to pray with you. Because I want us all together to get to blessing. But we've got to go through broken. And, and I'm going to say this. Don't worry about who's looking. Don't worry about who's, who's thinking, who's saying what. We all have our stuff that we all need to go through. I oftentimes say this in church, and I'll say it again. The person standing next to you or whoever's looking at you don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. Amen. I remember when Katani and I were having extreme, and I'm telling y'all, extreme marital difficulties. She just came to me one time and says, um, you know what? You're not going to hinder my blessing. And um, she says, I don't care how your feelings feel, but I need to put our stuff out there so we can get some help. And she sure did. <laughs> Like, no, you didn't. <laughs> she said, now nah, that's on you. <laughs> I put it out there. And she called some folk. They came and got, I'm like, Lord Jesus. But then the scripture rang true where it says, confess your faults one to another. Are you with me? And so that's why we can be so transparent because we don't have nothing to hide no more because we allowed God to work in our lives and in 34 years, he's restored relationship. He's restored. That's my best friend. You kind of get what I'm saying? It wasn't always like that. It wasn't always like that. In case you haven't heard our testimony, 16 years of living hell. And you manipulative, no good. She called me all kind of name. And I'd call her some too. Oh, yeah. I ain't going to be no punk and just have her punk me out. Yeah. I had to man up, amen. Yeah. Then we'd pray, bunch of hypocrite. <laughs> See what I'm saying? But it wasn't until we said God enough is enough that God was able to work. We had to be broken. We had to be broken to get to blessed. So if that's you tonight or today, come, y'all, come, come. Come, if that's you, come, come.